It's not that all the good ones are gone. That in and of itself is a blatant lie of the enemy that he would love for you to believe. Because if you believe that all the good ones are gone, then that only leads you down a road of like self-pity and pride and then eventually masking that pain in a lot of other ways. But the reason I wrote that is if they're not in your life anymore or if they haven't come around yet, it has nothing to do with scarcity. It has everything to do with protection. And that speaks to the goodness of God because if they're not in your life anymore or, or in the case that, you know, you just haven't met anyone, it's not because there's not enough available. It's just because the timing isn't right yet or the Lord is protecting you or the Lord, like you said, is preparing you, molding you, shaping you. A dream can be anything, whether yours is to start a business, be in a healthy relationship, pursue your dream career, or to get right spiritually. Every week, the Dream Check podcast brings you tips, tricks, and real life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest. I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer and wife. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to show you that if I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show. Time to check in. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Dream Check Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Evenoff. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Today's episode is going to be incredible. I have my dear friend Tiffany Hogel on today. Tiffany and I actually were Instagram friends for quite a while. And back in 2019, I shared that I was going to the Transformation Church Conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where Tiffany lives. And Tiffany reached out to me and offered me to stay at her place with her. She was also going to the conference. And I feel like that story is just a testament of the type of person she is and her character. She is so welcoming, so inviting. I knew when I met her that we would be lifelong friends. And so I'm honored to have her on today. Tiffany is a newlywed, so she is a wife. She's an incredible friend, a follower of Jesus, and an extremely gifted writer. Today, she's going to share her story from singleness to how she met and married her now husband all within six months. It's an incredible story that would be impossible to explain if not for God. She shares some of the biggest lessons and takeaways that she learned during her single season. And honestly, you guys, I feel like this whole hour-long episode, she's just encouraging single people to trust and wait on God's timing because his story that he's writing for you is so much better than the one that you could ever write for yourself. And so if you want to be encouraged today, make sure to keep listening and let's welcome Tiffany to the show. Good morning. Hello. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I am doing so good. I know we just kind of like briefly chatted before you came on, but I'm just so happy to see your face. And I know I said it like three seconds ago, but I'm just wish that we lived closer together. I know. I know. It's so sad, but 
Oh, I'm just so grateful that you would want to have me on and that we can at least get this time to chat and catch up and just dive into all things. I'm so excited about Yes, it. I am so honored. Your story is so, 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 so inspiring from singleness to now being a newlywed. And I, I know that anyone listening is going to have a lot to take away from this conversation. So mm. I am so excited to dive in. We're going to start with... The first question I ask every guest, which is, what is a dream that you have right now? Okay, so I came up with two. One of them is like kind of a smaller scale. One of them is really big scale. So small scale, you are going to feel this with me. Um, I am dreaming about a puppy. Uh, <laughs> Goosebumps. So bad. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're planning on getting one sometime next year, probably early next year but I just have had a dream to have a dog for literally years like I was talking to my brother about it the other day he was like just get a dog tip like you have talked about this for so long so small scale dreaming about getting my first puppy and like owning my first dog big scale not many people know this but I actually have a dream to like launch my own lifestyle brand (gasps) and like I have I have had ideas that the Lord has given me for years of like Mm -hmm. specific products that I want to create and that's kind of like my big lifelong goal and dream is to is to have my own brand someday so yeah I yeah I was shocked by that that is (laughs) I was not expecting that for some reason I think first of all let's circle back to the dog thing because I feel like it's in my DNA like I'm supposed to have a dog and I feel like not having one it just feels like a part of me is missing. That's so dramatic, I but could, like I couldn't agree more. Like I grew it's up not with dramatic, dogs. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always grew up with big dogs. I've always loved dogs. And lately, I don't know if it's because of TikTok. Like my for you page is like all babies and dogs, and so I feel like I'm just feeding <laughs> like the desire for a dog. And mm-hmm. I follow all these like Los Angeles rescue accounts, and I just like see oh. these poor dogs who like I know I could give them a good home, and it breaks my heart. And you know, Nico, bless his soul. Like he's such a realist. Like he wants us to have a house with a yard. And, you know, right now we're in the top floor of our building and we both travel Mm. a lot. And so it's just not really realistic for our current lifestyle. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of our dreams right now is to buy a house by the end of next year. And so when that Mm. comes, we can look forward to getting a dog. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Okay, the (laughs) lifestyle brand. I want to hear more about that. Like clothes, like home goods. I think it's a little bit of everything. I have specific visions for jewelry, specifically a a couple of clothing items, not anything like definitely don't want to step into the fashion space. Not I don't want that to be the full thing, but I definitely have a couple of ideas. And then, yeah, like a lot of home goods, lifestyle, and then obviously stationery. I was going to say. I can yeah, see you like, having like journals and cards oh yeah. and journals, books. planners, cards, scripture, memory cards, like <sighs> all, all things stationary goods. Like that's definitely a go-to for me. And I almost was like, well, I should just tell her my dream is to like be a published author, like to have an actual physical book in my hands. And it is, but I didn't specify that one because like that one's already, it's like, it is a dream, but it's much more, I think it's much more, soon to be achieved than the other one. So I wanted mm-hmm. to give you something a little bit bigger of a dream because I already have so many things that I've written. I just haven't, I haven't moved forward with the publishing piece of it yet. So, but yeah. That's so exciting. I, I love Thank it. Like you. I love I, everyone yeah. that comes on this show is such a big dreamer. And like, I love when they're God dreams and like God is attached to them because I mean, 
it, the possibilities are endless when God is involved in them. And, you know, Literally. you say now like, oh, I don't see it being like a fashion thing, but like God could take it that direction and it could be even greater than you could ever imagine. Um, so and then the, the book, I mean, you're an incredible writer. I mean, we'll have you share your Instagram at the end, but you guys, her captions are just so uplifting and encouraging and inspiring and so heartfelt. And um, she's always so vulnerable and so... I basically stalked her Instagram for today's episode to kind of pull um, <laughs> some gems that I thought were um, super, super encouraging. But first, I kind of want you to dive in, like, tell us a little bit about who you are and then kind of your story of how you and Sam met, because it is definitely one, um, one for the books. Yeah. So I'm a writer. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I got married in June of this year, so almost six months ago actually yeah oh my gosh six months june was six months ago (laughs) girl yes six months ago isn't that crazy um but the crazy part of our story is that we actually met a little over a year ago so from the time we met to the time we got engaged it was three months and then from the time we got engaged to the time we got married it was another three months and now it's been six months so it is so crazy to think about all that has happened in the last year, Sam and I were, were reflecting on our like one year anniversary of when we met for our first date, which was November 16th, about like how much we have stuffed into one year as far as like huge life changes go, mm-hmm. like meeting the love of your life, falling in love, having them meet your family, planning a proposal, planning a wedding, getting married, going on a honeymoon, <laughs> and then we bought a house all within a year and sold a house. Like so much transformation. So much so much transformation like it is it is truly like crazy to think about and so but I met my husband through a mutual friend we were basically set up on a blind date it was a a girl that like I I didn't know for very long it's not like we had been friends forever but she knew Mm -hmm. my husband's family really well they they had had they had been friends for a long time my husband has five sisters and so my friend played basketball with like one of the sisters back in the day. And one day she just was like, I think I know someone who you would be great with. It literally happened just like that, like out of the blue, like, wow. She just thought, I think really what it came down to was the Lord used her mm-hmm. to introduce us. And ultimately like, praise God, she was obedient to follow that. And um, she called him that same night that she had the idea and asked him if he was seeing anyone, asked him if he would be willing to be set up and, He was like, yeah, sure. So he called me the next day. He set up our first date. It was going to be a lunch date on Monday. First of all, I have to pause because (laughs) the fact that he called you, doesn't know you, knows nothing about you, has never spoke to you before, and went the extra mile to call you when he could have easily, and most men would, just send a text message and be like, hey, so-and-so wants to set us up. I'm down. Mm -hmm. But instead... He called you, and I don't know why. He I feel like that's me. such a big deal. It is. It is a big deal because it shows. It showed me that he was the real deal. He wasn't just another guy who was going to want to just be texting me for no reason. Like, mm-hmm. and that it really did. Like, I'll never forget our first time talking on the phone. I was at the gym when he called, and I knew that he was going to be calling. So I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to. I can't miss this call. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he was so sweet. He was so polite on the phone to me. We actually joke about it now because it almost sounds, it sounded like he was on like a business call. Like he was being so like 
overly professional, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so cute. It was so sweet though. So yeah, he set up the date and then we met at the restaurant for our first date and we were there for two hours and like neither of us wanted to leave. And I remember being like, I remember driving away from that first lunch and I sent a voice note to some of my best friends and I said, I think I just met my husband. Like it was really that apparent to me right away. Mm -hmm. And very shortly thereafter, literally within 10 days, we both knew that we were going to marry each other, that this was it. We were, we were the one for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that we were choosing anyways. And so yeah, that is like the story of how it happened. Several, I mean, a couple weeks after that, he like officially asked me to be his girlfriend. And then it all happened. It was right before Thanksgiving that we met. So going into the holidays, my family was all coming in town for Christmas. Like the timing of it was so the Lord. It was so perfect because he got to come with me and my family on our family vacation. My family got like a concentrated amount of time with him to get to know him. They Mm -hmm. all knew right away too. Like, this is serious. This is going to go quickly. And Mm -hmm. this is the real deal. And so it was so sweet how the Lord orchestrated just the timing of everything to happen so quickly. And he proposed to me February 15th, the day after Valentine's day in the middle of a snowstorm, like a blizzard in Oklahoma. It was crazy, but it was also perfect. And yeah, now we're married. And like, that is the story. It's so crazy. It's so crazy, but it's so God. And like, there's so many things I want to unpack from that. First thing I want to ask is, so when you're on the date with him and you said you knew right away, so like, you know, in my past, like I'd been on dates where I'm like, oh, this guy seems great. Or, you know, he, you know, everyone thinks this is the one, you know, but mm-hmm. what was the different, like, what was the biggest difference from that date to other maybe great dates you've been on? Like, what stood out from him that was like, this is it. This is from God. Like, he's the one. Such a good question. And I, I really do have, like, an exact answer. It was the way he talked about the Lord. Mm. I knew, I knew that <clears throat> there is a difference between someone who knows a lot about God And someone who deeply, intimately knows God. And I knew the difference right away. I could hear it in his voice. I could see it in his demeanor, just the way that, Mm. and we didn't necessarily spend the whole day talking about the Lord, but we didn't have to in order for me to like see Jesus so clearly in him Mm -hmm. and through him. And I could see his heart for the Lord, even in that one, you know, first interaction. Yeah. I really do remember thinking to myself, like, this is a man who knows God, not just about him. And that is what made all the difference for me. That's so good. And I talked about this with the last two girls I interviewed. And we kind of just talked about like the difference between, you know, if you're a Christian, you're going on a date with the intent to obviously date another Christian. Like, how do you know if he's actually walking with the Lord? And do you talk about it on the first date? And, you know, my response to that was, well, if someone is so in love with Jesus and it's a big part of their life, like you're going to talk about him. Like it's just, that should be the topic of conversation, not to say everything has to revolve around that. But yes, at the same time, like if that's, you know, the biggest part of your life, it should be the biggest part of his. And then you should come together and be aligned on, on that. Absolutely. And I think there's discernment in that too, because a lot of people can talk a big game about the Lord and they Mm -hmm. can really make it sound convincing. But I think it takes, discernment it takes listening to the holy spirit to know like okay 
is, does this person, are they saying a bunch of stuff to just blow smoke or do they really have a conviction of who God is to them, of the realness and the intimacy of a relationship with Jesus? Yeah. You can tell the difference when you're willing to look for it. Well, and I think when you're actually walking with God and you're, you know, you're very in touch with the, with the Holy Spirit, like you'll have that discernment, like you'll be able to see his heart in that moment versus, you know, him just saying all the things that you want to hear. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's a very clear sign. Like if you're walking close with God, you're going to be able to discern it. Um, and same with him. So what, what was the the pursuit like from him ap- after that first oh date? Cause, gosh. cause I feel like girls, you know, they go on dates and they always ask like, how do you know if he's super into you? How, like, I haven't heard from him in a week and you know, whatever, you know, that situation may be like, what does that pursuit from the man who is intent is to marry you look like? Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you. I, I, I was shocked. Like I literally felt like I, my body was going through a shock whenever Sam and I first started dating and he was pursuing because it was, it was literally so like night and day different from anything I'd ever experienced before. But it was, when I look back, I'm like, of course he was going to do those things. Of course he was going to pursue me that way. That's how a mm-hmm. man of God should pursue. And for us, it looked like He never left me in the dark about exactly how he was feeling and exactly what his intentions were. He didn't, he didn't come out and tell me on the first date, like, you're my wife, I'm going to marry you. He didn't creep me out or be weird or anything like that. Like he was, we were both still, you know, getting to know each other, but he did not for one second, let me doubt or question or wonder or worry about, well, where are we? Like, how does he feel about me? I never asked myself, how does he feel about me? Or Mm -hmm. does he like spending time with me? Or does he see a future with me? I never had to ask myself those questions because he was always leading literally a step ahead in communicating that to me directly and clearly. And that was such a shock to my system. Like, I was like, is this is this how it's supposed to be? And the answer is yes, that is how it's supposed to be. That's how, you know, this is a man of God who's not messing around. And so that was a huge thing for us. Isn't it crazy? Because I think back to like, you know, our stories are very similar. And I think back to like dates I'd been on and how I was like, so confused. Like, does this person like me? Do they not? And then to like meet my husband, And I was same thing, like, it's shocking, like to be pursued that way in a way we had both never been before. It was like, it was like all of a sudden everything made sense. Like, oh wait, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like, but how sad is it that that is so shocking? It's because it's so rare. Yeah. And that's why I feel like you and I are both so passionate about leading women to like, you know, to not settle and to wait for, for the one God has for you, because his story for you is going to be so amazing and so much more than you could ever imagine or even explain. And it really is a story that it's hard to explain without experiencing something similar. And you recently wrote on your Instagram, you knew in your spirit that your love story would be one that would be impossible to explain if not for God. How, how does one get that confidence during single season or, you know, during a long waiting season praying, you know, for a relationship? Mm -hmm. I think more than anything, it comes from spending more time talking to God about it than talking to anyone else, including yourself about it. Because the longer I get my affirmation from either myself or the world, the more I will believe that any good thing that comes my way has come from myself instead of from God. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And so 
if I'm the one who's telling myself like, well, or if I'm getting my affirmation from the world, like, well, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be a confident woman, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not getting that affirmation from the Lord because I'm not talking to him about it. I'm not seeking him and his word. Then I'm going to take the credit. I'm going to take the credit for if I do meet someone amazing or for, you know, whatever other good things that come in my life. But I learned like, the credit belongs to the Lord. If this happens for me, if marriage, if an incredible husband is what the Lord has for me, he is going to get the glory for it because only he could do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that, of course, that's exactly what happened. And I could never boast of saying like, yeah, I made this happen on my own because it's not because I waited. It's not because I spent my singleness so perfectly. It's not because like there is no amount of good deeds that I did to deserve a man like Sam. Like, yes, Mm. I did wait patiently. And yes, I did seek the Lord. I did pray. I did. I did ask for this gift, but I didn't get it because God owed me. I got it because God's good. And that's just what he chose to give me. That's so good. And I think like, you know, even during your single season, like what was your biggest, maybe your biggest prayer during your single season that God would um, provide for you? Because I, 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 I think so many people rush to be in a relationship. They want to be in a relationship so bad, but we forget that if we're not first content with just us and God, then we won't be content when we get into a relationship either. And so I know at least for me, there were so many things that I had to work on personally for myself so that I could be the best version of myself when God presented, you know, Nico to me, I feel like I was more prepared than had I just settled or gotten to a relationship just for the sake of getting into a relationship. Yeah. I would say my biggest prayer for years and years before I met Sam was, Lord, grow my love for you to such an extent that the love for another man could never even compare. I wanted to learn to love God. I wanted to know him. That was my heart's desire. Like, yes, I asked the Lord for a husband. I I wrote in my journal, I, I wrote notes, you know, to my future husband. I, I asked the Lord, I did. I went before the Lord in prayer for years, asking and seeking and knocking like the word says to do, but... I also came to a place where I, with the Lord, where I recognized, you know what, if this doesn't happen for me, if this is not what you have for me, I trust you. I know that you are so good that, and, and you love me so much that I could never be lacking in love. If, if this isn't what you have for me, it's not because I'm not loved. It's because I'm so loved by you. And I think, yeah, I just got to a point where I was like, Lord, I just want to love you. I want to grow in my love for you. I want to know you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, even having met my husband and and married him, like I can confidently say I do love Jesus more than I will ever love Sam. And that might sound harsh for some people, but it's just the truth of where my heart is at. And that doesn't mean that I don't love my husband very, very dearly because I love him more than – I ever even knew I could. And I know that that is only going to grow. But yeah, I would say to someone who is still praying, like there's nothing wrong with praying and asking and seeking and knocking like the word says to do. Um, But I would say like, hold your hands open before God and your heart tender towards the Lord, towards what he's wanting to do in your heart in this season of life. 
Yeah, I think of two quotes when I think of like singleness. I think of he's preparing you for what he's prepared for you. And so, you know, he's working all these things in our heart for the person that he's preparing for you as well at the same time. And then I also think of the quote that a woman's heart should be so wrapped in God that a man has to seek him just to find her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I feel like as women, when we're doing that, like w- there's no way God's not going to deliver us a man worthy of our hearts mm-hmm. that are so yeah. wrapped in Jesus because that, you know, that's what he wants for us. And that's what deep mm-hmm. down we, we want for ourselves. Um, yeah. So beautiful. Another, uh, you know, quote that you shared recently, and it literally, I've told like three people in the last like 10 hours because I think it's <laughs> so good. Um we all know the quote or not, not even a quote. People say, Oh, all the good ones are taken. I can never find a good, good guy, a good girl, like even in the church, even, you know, whatever it may be. And you followed that up with only the ones not meant for you are gone. And I thought that was so powerful. And I want you to kind of like elaborate and pick it apart a little. Yeah, no, I think I, I was just meditating on that whenever the day that I wrote that, just thinking like, man, it's not that there is, and I think I wrote this whenever I was um, writing my notes for this question. It's, it's not that all the good ones are gone. That in, in and of itself is a blatant lie of the enemy that he would love for you to believe. Because if you believe that all the good ones are gone, then that only leads you down a road of like self-pity and pride and then eventually um, masking that pain in a lot of other ways. But the reason I wrote that is if they're not in your life anymore, or if they haven't come around yet, it has nothing to do with scarcity. It has everything to do with protection. And that speaks to the goodness of God, because if they're not in your life anymore, or, or in the case that, you know, you just haven't met anyone, it's not because there's not enough available. Um, It's just because the, the timing isn't right yet, or the Lord is protecting you, or the Lord, like you said, is preparing you, molding you, shaping you. And something I tell people a lot, and and I, I mean, I started doing this before when I was single too, like God, and I think you had this as another, as another point that we can go into, but God's not waiting for your life to start whenever you get married. God's not saying like, okay, well, this person's plans are on hold for now because they haven't met the one yet. Well, that's not what the Lord is sitting around doing or saying. He has things for you to do now. And so I always encourage people like, don't wait around for your life to start. God has things for you to do. Um, And I understand, you know, sometimes it can be like, I felt that way too. I remember feeling like how, am I ever going to meet anyone in a town where I feel like I know everyone in the city, I should say. And literally, Nicole, my husband lived eight minutes away from me. I just got goosebumps. Eight minutes away from me in a city where I swore I would never meet anyone because there was no one left to meet. And God said, you thought. You thought. You thought. I I just think that's so beautiful. And it's such a like an example of how God is absent from time and can literally change your situation in a second. I mean, 
very similar to Nico and I, like we both served at the same church for three years together, had been in rooms with under 15 people together and never noticed each other. It's like God kept, had like our our eyes, like the mud in our eyes until we were ready for Mm -hmm. each other. And even, I think I've shared this story before, but um, in January of 2019, um, I felt like God asked me to step down from serving and I had no idea why. I was like, I love serving. Like I, I, this is my church, this is my community. And I was, you know, we should always be in a season of obedience, but I was like, okay, I'll be obedient. Like if this is what you're speaking to me, like I'll do it. So I stepped down and, um, a week after I stepped down, Nico transferred to the location I was serving at. So had I not listened, we would have met seven months earlier and we were both seeing other people. It would have been too soon. And I love that story because it just is such a a good example (laughs) of obedience and like why we need to really listen to, listen to our heart, listen to our intuition, like listen to the spirit and like, and pray for that, pray for discernment, pray for, you know, an ear to hear what God is saying to you and eyes to see what God sees for you. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I love that Sam was eight minutes away and even the obedience of, of that girl and like setting you guys up. And, and I, and I say this to say like, for women also not to settle because there were times when, you know, I was seeing someone who was really great. And in my gut, I was like, "Mm, maybe I feel like this isn't it. Like they're great, but I feel like this isn't it. And there was really nothing wrong with them, but being obedient and not settling and just waiting on God's timing. Had I not been obedient and just stayed in it to stay in it, then maybe I would have missed the timing to meet Nico. And I just think, yeah, your story is so epic and just such a good testament of so many different like goodnesses about God. And I want to go back to another quote and you kind of touched on it, but you said the enemy would love for you to believe that God's goodness has run out or that he's choosing to not spill any onto you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many people um, struggle with that feeling. Um, But what would you say to maybe a person who feels like everyone around them is getting engaged and we're entering engagement season right now? Like, and someone who just feels like God doesn't hear them, God doesn't see them, everyone around them is getting into a relationship and they start to feel what's wrong with me or what's, why isn't God hearing me? Man, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I felt that way. I wrote a whole blog post about that called um, God writes beautiful stories, just not for me. And I wrote about literally (laughs) I can cry just at that title. (laughs) I know. I know. Like that was really like, especially at the beginning of 2020, like it was, it was, was, that's when I started writing that blog post. I didn't publish it until September um, of 2020. It took me that long. It took me that long. I started writing it in January and it took me until when I published it in September to go through a process of the Lord really, man, breaking me down, molding me, and then ultimately healing my heart from this mindset of you have got everything good for others and none of it is left for me. I wrote about how I saw all these other people getting their blessing, their dream, their dream come true. They're happily ever after all of these things come true for them. And I felt like I was being fed crumbs, if that. And the Lord took me through a long process of discovering that the only thing that the Lord 
needed to do for me was save me. And he did that. The only thing that he ever had to do for me was save me from sin and death. And he did that by dying on the cross. Everything else, all other things that he has given and done for us is just his goodness and his mercy and his grace towards us. And so I would say to that person, I deeply know, intimately have felt how you feel. You are not alone. It is not a fun place to be, but it's also just a season. Seasons, they come and they go. And so I would say to that person, because I think I needed this reminder a lot too when I was in that mindset, was to be joyful and to rejoice with them that rejoice. And to praise God that he has kept you or taken you out of a bad situation and is saving his best for you. And I I just realized there is blatant, glaring evidence of God's goodness in your life. You just have to be willing to see it. And so I don't want to discourage anyone from continuing to pray and to seek the Lord. Um, I also don't want to discourage anyone from feeling their feelings. I think there's a lot of power in sitting in your emotions and really letting it sometimes overcome you and overtake you and like wash over you. I think that's really healthy. But what I don't want people to do is to dwell or to um, sit in it too long to the point where it gets unhealthy. I think there's there's, um, health in sitting in your emotions and really like, ultimately pouring your heart out to the Lord, but then give it to the Lord and trust him with your heart. And um, yeah, I just, I I know how that feels, but, and I wrote that blog post at the end, you know, I came to the conclusion, this was um, two months. I, I published that blog post two months before I met my husband without ever knowing like what was going to happen, obviously. But what I concluded in the, in the, blog post was the Lord showed me through the gospel of John, how Jesus asked his disciples after he was resurrected to feed my sheep. And he asked Peter three times, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that is what he has asked of us is to feed his sheep, to share the gospel, to spread the good news of Jesus. And I just had this conviction of like, I have been living in this self-pity of why me? Why not me? Why have you forgotten me? Like, where is my story? Where's my happily ever after? When God has done the greatest act of love that anybody could ever do for me in dying on the cross. And so I think I want to just encourage people. I wrote practically, if you are single and waiting for a spouse, I want you to know that there is nothing wrong with praying and asking God for a spouse. Go before the throne room and ask the Lord, write letters, pray for their purity, their heart, for their health, for your future children. But as you are praying, asking and seeking God for this unfulfilled desire, learn also to just fall more in love with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus in his word. That's so and good. there was a quote by um, Heather Lindsay, who's a pastor, I think in Louisiana. And she said, each day God sits and waits for us to spend time with him. He looks forward to it. It's not all about you and making, marking a check off of your to-do list. He longs for a daily relationship with you. He sits patiently waiting, longing for the attention that you give everything and everyone else. Your daily time with him is the most important part of your day. 
that hits me so hard when I read I, that. I, I'm like, oh my gosh. It's so beautiful and like emotional at the same time. I think um, the something that is so beautiful is when you were writing that blog post, like God was writing your love story and he was yeah. like wow. nearing the chapter that you were about to get to. And wow. it's so powerful because for anyone who's in, a, I'm literally like getting emotional, but for anyone who's in a waiting season, like God is writing your love story and like maybe he's on chapter one and chapter one starts with you. And, you know, chapter five is him or her or whoever, you know, whoever, whoever it is, but just being patient and trusting that what God is writing is better than what you're writing. And if that's what God has for you, then it's going to be better than you could ever even believe or imagine. Um, Just like you said, like, it'll be a story that will be impossible to explain if not for God. Yeah. And I just want to encourage people to like, God is so worth trusting. Mm -hmm. He's so worthy to be trusted with your heart, with your life. And he is worthy to be trusted with writing your story, the story of your life. And it can feel like it's the quote unquote empowering and right thing to do to like take the reins of your own life and to, you know, do what you want to do and to follow your heart and all these things. But God wants to be the one that's in the driver's seat of your life. But if you, if you will let him, if you will trust him to drive, to lead, to lead you where he wants you to go, like you said, Nicole, it will be better than anything you could do than anywhere that you could take you because it will be God's way and not yours. And God's way is always far above ours. He sees what we can't see. He knows what we could never know. And so trusting him is really like, I got a tattoo on my arm that says trust in the fall of 2019, right after I met you, Nicole. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And yeah. And, um, I am, I am, I got it because I knew that I would never not need to be reminded to trust that we can never reach the end of trusting God. Like we're always going to need to be reminded to trust and to exercise our trust and our faith in God. And so that's what I would just encourage people to as well as trust God with your life because he's worthy to be trusted. That's so good. And when you talked about, you know, God being in the driver's seat, I just got like a picture of, you know, when you're in a student driver's car and there's steering wheels and brakes on both sides. And just imagine like if you are trying to drive and the teacher is also braking and pushing the gas and turning the wheel at the same time, mm-hmm. you are like, you're gonna not go anywhere because mm-hmm. you're both trying to do the same thing. And one person actually knows what they're doing and the other one really doesn't. So like, God is the teacher and we're the student and like, we're supposed to let the teacher drive, you know? And Mm, so so I just think when two people are at the steering wheel, like you're going to go nowhere. And so just letting God take control and take the wheel, um, because he's going to get you somewhere way faster and in the best route that you wouldn't even know to take. So (laughs) amen. That's so good. What do you think was the biggest lesson or, you know, something impactful that God taught you during your single season that you would encourage someone else with? The biggest thing that God taught me in my single season, honestly, was really, like I said, to trust him. I think I had never really 
let go of those of that part of my life because there are a lot of different parts of our lives that we want to stay in control of. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to let God drive in certain areas, but definitely not in others. And especially the areas that we want to keep hidden really deeply within our own heart, whether it be, you know, desires or maybe sins um, that we don't want to let him into. It's really easy to keep those under lock and key. Um, and I think that the area of really trusting God with my future and my future spouse and my future family and just being loved by someone, I'd never really allowed the Lord access. And I think during my season of singleness, um, that is what he taught me the most was how to believe that God is good enough and and worthy enough to be able to give him this part of my life and really let him, really let him lead. And I think another thing too is I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but God really taught me in my single years how to get to get busy with what he has called me to do. And I, I say it in my captions, get busy with what God's got you busy with. And I love that because I think so many times we think like, well, we can't really do anything in life yet until we're married. Like there's this mindset of, well, I'm just going to wait for my life to start until I meet someone. But the reality that the Lord taught me is that he actually has things for us to do now and exactly where we are, exactly the season that he has us in. He has important kingdom work for us to do. And he is certainly not waiting for someone to come along before we can step into our calling or our role that he's called us to, because he always has a calling on our lives. Our calling doesn't start or doesn't wait to start. Obviously it will change and it will, mm-hmm. it will merge when you meet your, you know, your person and you step into kingdom work together, like it will pivot. And I'm in the midst of that right now, like figuring out what that looks like for me. But the Lord really did teach me in my, in my time of singleness, like how to get down with what he had called me to do and to not drag my feet, to not waste my time, to not wish my season of singleness away and, and to not spend all my time just dreaming about, oh, my future husband, my future life, like being pouty about it. Like there's a fine line between being prayerful and expectant and hopeful and just being self, just living in self-pity. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that was another important thing that the Lord taught me was he has got work for me to do now. And if I'm not stepping into my calling now, how is he going to trust me to step into my calling when I meet? the man of God that he has for me. And so that was a big one for me. That's so good. And you had, you know, touched on it, but you had said, like, you talked about how you were busy during your single season, but not just for busyness sake. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're single, like we are called to be busy with the things that God is calling us to in this moment, which a lot of times could be just to be present with the person in front of you. Absolutely. A lot of times it could just be learning how to read your word daily, learning how to read the Bible, learning, learning what, what it looks like to understand the history and the context. Like, Busyness doesn't mean what the world wants it to mean. It doesn't mean filling up your schedule every hour of the day. Sometimes, like you said, what God calls us to is maybe a season of rest where you actually don't take mm-hmm. extra work, where you actually don't, you know, do certain things that you would normally do to fill your time in a busy way. Sometimes, and for me, that 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 is what that looks like. I spent a good chunk of 
my season of singleness, just focusing on understanding the Bible. Another part of it was learning how to pray. God wanted to grow those roots in me and establish those foundations in me. Not to say that it has been fully established or that I'm not still growing and learning. Like, of course, that's the case. It's not like you get married and then you're like this perfect Christian. Definitely. If not, honestly, the opposite is sometimes true. You yeah, learn how facts. Much of, uh, how much work you actually have to do. Yeah, that, that's a let, topic for let, another episode. <laughs> yeah, literally full. But I think it really does like if it, the Lord wants to establish in you the truth of his word. And so how do we do that? We have to learn how to read the Bible. We have to be biblically literate. There's an amazing podcast by Jen Wilkin from the Gospel Coalition. She talks all about how most Christians are biblically illiterate. They don't know their Bible. They don't know how to read the Bible. When they do, they don't meditate. They don't study. Um, And anyways, it's fascinating. But that podcast taught me a lot about like, okay, so how do I read my Bible? What does it look like to approach the Bible for the ancient, historic, but spirit-filled work that it is, um, and really understanding how to reverence the Bible and the Word of God in that way. And so, so yeah, busyness can look like a lot of different things. It doesn't always necessarily mean launching your own small business or like starting a whatever. Like honestly, more often than not, it will be the small and hidden things that God wants to do in you, not in front of an audience, not for anyone to praise you about in the dark, in, in the secret place, in the secret place. That's what God wants to do. And so if that's what he has you busy with, praise God that he is building things in you and preparing you, like you said, again, for what he has prepared for you, because the Lord does want to use us for his kingdom and for his glory, but he's not going to use us at the expense of losing us. So he's not going to use me to spread the gospel if I don't know Jesus intimately myself. He does not want to have me be a mouthpiece for him without actually having a relationship with him. And so I think that's always God's like biggest concern and biggest heart is for us. Like, yes, he wants to use us, but he won't do it at the expense of our connection and our intimacy and our relationship with him. And so develop a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus. I love saying the word intimate. And I think a lot of people get really weirded out by it because it sounds obviously sexual, but it has nothing to do with that. Intimacy with Jesus is what we're after. And that's what he's after with us too. He doesn't want you to be a mouthpiece for him if you don't actually have a relationship with him. I feel like that hits so hard in the Christian community. And mm-hmm. especially like, I know a lot of women who will like DM me and say, oh, well, I met this guy. Like he said, he'll go to church with me or he goes to church, but like, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, should I continue seeing him? And I'm like, well, no. is he being a mouthpiece for Jesus or does he actually have mm-hmm. a relationship with him? Yeah. Amen. And oh, that was such a mic drop moment. Wow. I feel like that actually brought us back for a full circle too, because my first thing was talking about how I knew that Sam had a genuine relationship with the Lord. It wasn't just him doing a bunch of this talking. blah blah with his yep. mouth talking. It was him actually speaking from a place in his heart that knows the father. And so, wow, that was. And just his, his pursuit of you in a godly way. 
mm-hmm. you know, let let their actions speak louder than their words, you know, in in all cases, like whether you're a Christian or not, like when you're dating, like let someone's actions always speak louder than their words. If, if they're leaving you confused, leaving you unread, not texting you back mm-hmm. after dates, mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, but that is a clear sign. He's just not that Absolutely. into you because Absolutely. Yes. And a I've man knows what too. he wants. That's right. And I've seen that before, too, where they say no response is a response. Mm, That's good. Doubt, confusion. If you are doubtful and confused, you're actually not. You actually know exactly what he's saying. And that's all you need. It's so good. And it's so sad because I just literally think back to my life from age like 16 to 26, like Mm -hmm. all the times I was confused. And does he like me? Does he not? Is he going to take me on another date? Is he not? It's like, listen, girl. Like listen, literally listen. You have the answers. <laughs> you have you the have answer. You're saying it. Yeah. And Man, you don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you in the way you Absolutely. deserve. Absolutely. And I think that's so powerful. So speaking of Sam, you talked recently about just qualities um that he has that you never knew mm-hmm. that you needed or liked in a, you know, in a spouse and you talked about the qualities of teachability and humility. How has Sam showed you the importance of those traits and are those things mm-hmm. that women should be looking for in in a relationship? Yes, absolutely. And like I said, I don't think I I never thought to myself when I was making my, you know, list of qualities I want in a husband. I never put humility on that list, put a lot of other things, but humility never made the list. And when I look back, I'm like, wow, praise God that the Lord still chose to give me a super humble man. But I think I realized this early. I mean, we're obviously still early on. It's been six months, but I I did realize (laughs) this pretty quickly after we got back from the honeymoon, I'll say like how humble my husband is. And when I say that, I mean, he is quick to apologize. He's quick to recognize where he has done or said something either wrong or hurtful, or even if it was just in the wrong like tone or manner of voice or whatever it is. I think I realized, wow, if I, if I was with someone who was stubborn in heart or was full of pride and was just unwilling to bend their will to to me. Like how difficult would that be if, if they weren't teachable, if he wasn't willing to say like, you know what, I see where you're coming from. And trust me, if anything, I'm the stubborn one of the two. Same girl. Honestly, I definitely am. And I'm I'm thankful for a a husband with humility because he's setting the standard and he is leading by example, as I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, men are supposed to do for their wives, Mm -hmm. lead by example. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. he's the first to apologize, which then makes it easier for me to do it. Because if we were both stubborn, we'd be just walking around the house, not talking to each other. (laughs) Not talking, totally angry all the time. And I'm thankful that he is I'm thankful that he is both humble and wise enough, but also gentle enough to call me out when I need to be called out as much as I hate being called out, but it's Mm -hmm. also good for me. Like it is, it's what's right. It's what's good. It's what's pushing us both, first of all, closer to each other, but really ultimately towards the Lord and sanctifying each other, which is the whole purpose of marriage. And so I, I I do like I, I don't know if I can say with confidence 
how you can like look for those traits in someone while you're dating them. Maybe you could speak to that more, but I would definitely say like at least have, and maybe this goes back to just having discernment and listening to the voice of the Holy spirit and see if there are ways that you can identify. Does this man have a soft heart towards God and a soft heart towards me? That was one of the things that I immediately fell in love. Why I fell in love with Sam so quickly is because I knew that he had a soft heart towards God and a soft heart towards me. And I think that's maybe a first, one of the first markers of humility in someone's life. But would you, do you have any other like ways of identifying that before, like while you're dating someone? I I think like, again, how, not only how they treat you, but, you know, watching them, how they, you know, interact with Mm. other people how they are in their workspace, how they are, you know, with their friends or family. Um, I think it's also, yeah, how they treat wait staff. I mean, how they treat anyone really, because in the early stages of dating, you know, if a man is like manipulative in any way, he he'll know how to like say the right things Mm -hmm. to you, but they can't really hide how they treat other people. And so I think that would be a really good indicator. Um, and also for teachability, like how do they react when, you know, you're correcting them in, in a certain manner? You know, if, mm-hmm. if you're letting them know like, hey, I, I think that situation was, or that hurt my feelings. Um, can we talk about maybe a way to, you know, change our tone in the future or, you know, whatever, if you're expressing yourself and they respond in a, in a way of, you know, defensiveness or anger, mm-hmm. or I don't have to change. I'm fine. This is how I always have been. This is how I am. If yep. you don't like it too bad, like, that person is not teachable and that person is also not Mm -hmm. humble. And that person clearly Mm -hmm. has a lot of like heart work to work on um, Mm -hmm. before they can really, you know, be in someone else's life like that. Yeah. So true. That's really good. I would say those are definitely things that you can, you can see those things in someone before getting into a serious relationship with them. Like it is, it just comes down to like seeing how they treat people um, and, and discerning the Holy spirit to, to not have like the rose colored glasses on, like take them off, be realistic, be honest, and really even maybe letting other people in too. That was one of the yeah. things that Sam and I were really adamant about at the beginning of our relationship was letting the people closest to us, our families and our closest friends who have, who are, are like godly, our mentors and spiritual leaders in our lives into our relationship before we got engaged before we got married because we wanted to make sure that we didn't have blinders on, that we weren't totally. ignoring things because we were just too madly in love. Like we wanted to do it right. We wanted to do it well. And we wanted to do it with others in community. And so we gave people permission to speak into our lives. If there was something that they, they saw or noticed or had questions or flags about, like they had permission. We let other people into our life to speak. And obviously you can't trust everyone with that like you have to be really specific about who you choose to let in so that it has to be people who know the voice of God and who know you um but I think that that could be another way to say like choose someone trusted that you Mm -hmm. can be honest with that can be honest with you and if they bring something to you have the courage and the humility enough in yourself to actually Mm -hmm. hear them and not dismiss it because it's not what you want to hear 
Yeah, I think that's so powerful is, you know, when you start dating someone and and you're super serious and you're really starting to, you know, like this person, I think, you know, giving permission to people who have your best interests at heart and mm-hmm. know your end goal, um, give them permission to speak into that, whether you like what they have to say or not, because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, like emotions can blind us, which this is a topic for an, another conversation, but which is why, you know, physical intimacy is just a no because Mm -hmm. emotions are already blinding enough when you add intimacy physical intimacy you're you might as well just you know put blinders on because you just from that point on you see nothing but rainbows and they Mm -hmm. could do no wrong and they're this and they're that when all the people around you are like "Mm, he's actually kind of disrespectful towards you like do you not yeah. see that? Um, wow. So I think giving um, people in your inner circle, um, like you said, permission to speak into that no matter what, like set that precedent from the beginning, like set that expectation um, with your family or with your friends or your mentors or whoever that is that you trust to speak into your life. I know you love reading and you love books. So what what is maybe like one or two books you'd recommend for someone in a single season or someone who wants to grow their relationship with God? Okay. Number one book I would recommend, it is a small book. It's easy to get through. One of the most powerful books I've ever read. It's called Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. Really, truly changed my life. Um, And then the second one, well, I I wrote down three. So the other two are specific towards relationship and marriage, but I always recommend The Sacred Search by Gary Thomas and The Meaning of Marriage by Timmy Kathy Keller. Um, So good. Radically changed my life as well. The Kellers just such great authors <laughs> they just it's it's my favorite it's honestly like couldn't recommend enough <laughs> so we'll leave everyone with with the best dating advice that you would give to someone who is single um I would say obviously besides the like everything else that we've talked about as far as like putting the Lord first and um really seeking out your relationship with the Lord and um obviously praying for your spouse, actual practical, physical dating advice. I did write something down. I said, be open-minded. Um, don't close yourself off because they might not look like your type um, from the outside, but I wrote, have a soft heart and open hands to what God could be up to because you really never know. And if you are going to be stubborn about who you choose to spend your time with, you could be, you know, closing off an opportunity from the Lord. So that's just like a really small kind of practical dating advice that I would have. I love that. And I'm so pumped because um, you're coming back on with Sam and we're going to do like a marriage session because there are so, so many topics within this conversation that I wanted to ask, but I feel like we need to save it for like a marriage, a marriage talk. Yes, yes, Um, for sure. We can. And I'm so excited for that. This was so powerful. Um, Let everyone know where they can find you, how they can follow along. And then what was the name of that podcast that you talked about earlier? Oh, yeah. So my Instagram is at Tiff Hogle, T-I-F-F-H-O-G-L-E. Um, you can follow along there. I am revamping my website. So I I mean, my website is TiffanyRogers.co, but that was my maiden name. And I'm going to be changing that here in the next year. Um, so I would just say follow along on Instagram. And then the podcast is by Jen Wilkin. And it's called How Your Quiet Time Should Change You. Amazing. I think I'm looking that up right now, but how your quiet, if you Google Jen Wilkin, how your quiet time should change you. The first, the first um, 
link is to the gospelcoalition.org and you can listen to it there. And it is, it is life-changing. Definitely highly recommend listening to that podcast. Amazing, amazing. Um, I will link everything in the description of the episode. Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and sharing your story. It is definitely one that will impact many people. And I'm just so honored to call you a friend and to have had you on here today. Well, that is how I feel. I feel honored to know you, honored that you would want to have me on. So grateful that we just got to talk and catch up. This has been incredible. Thank you so much. Love you, girl. Love you.